Have you heard of high-level games? If you're a content creator looking to make your dream a reality, you need high-level games. High-level games does layout, editing, and development support such as Kickstarter and more. Even if you're not a creator and just want to enhance your game with exciting new supplements, go to highlevelgames.ca and check out Dark New England for V20. High-level games. We want to help you level up your role-playing game. Highlevelgames.ca. It's the eve of Gehenna, and all hell is about to break loose. The Sabbat are sweeping the East Coast, and ancient canines rise from Torvor. White Wolf celebrated their revised edition of Vampire the Masquerade with a classic clan novel saga. Now, that celebrated collection has been beautifully reprinted by Crossroad Press. Collect all 13 officially licensed novels and revisit the world of darkness you remember so fondly. Check out the Dark Ages reprints, too. Go to CrossroadPress.com, Amazon, and other major retailers for paperback and ebook. That's Crossroad Crossroadpress.com. This is 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to the Dark Ages. Welcome to this podcast, which is called 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. My name is Nathan. And I am Bob. And today, we're going to do a clan book that's everyone's favorite. This clan book, Bali. Bali. Or Bahali. Or Bali. However you'd like to pronounce it. We pronounce it Bali. Don't tell us otherwise, please and thank you. Fun fact, Bale means Lord. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, some some uh, before we get into the book, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about some things. First and foremost, let's read a letter. Second, and but not any less foremost, let's talk a little bit about the meetup we have coming up in about two weeks. As Bob does a jig, dance a little jig, does a little dancey dancey dance. Sorry, guys. Um, right. <laughs> I was dancing. <laughs> yeah, so our uh, our letter this week comes from Gaming Under the Influence. And it says, Hey dudes, longtime listener, podcast fanatic, and Methuselah White Wolf fan. I am considering a fascinating and fearful undertaking, storytelling a vampire LARP. However, and here is the rub, it is going to take place in either Kyoto or Osaka, nearest cities to me, for English speakers, and I have never played a vampire LARP, never mind set one up and story told it. I have rules, and I have ran a tabletop game for 15 years plus, alongside of ton, a ton of other RPGs and such. I am just very, very unaware of what storytellers even do in a game and how they do it. He means a LARP game, I'm assuming. YouTube videos are few and far between, and the documentary, while great, didn't elucidate anything. The closest I have to how an average game looks uh, are your podcasts. Nerd words have been my windows into this fictional future game of mine. So with that asked, I want to say I love both podcasts immensely. Uh, I love that you are enjoying yourselves while making them. And I hope you guys give Victorian age a really, uh, a, a really thorough see-through. Keep it up and much love to all of the fantastic guests. So the question is, and well, this is, let's not go overly long on this. But what does a storyteller for a LARP do? First off, let's cover the cities again it's going to be at, like, closest to him. Yeah, it looks like uh, he said Kyoto and, we find that in the, Kyoto and Osaka. 
So definitely we're in Japan. And I want to state this front most. We know nothing of the culture over there. Right. Nothing. Nothing at all. Right. And if you ever grab Kindred of the East book, you'll know White Wolf had a foot, maybe a drop that somebody understood something yeah. of the culture to build supernatural elements from it. Why I state that as a disclaimer for what we're about to say. Because and this is a Western interpretation. It matters. It freaking matters, right? Now, I want to preface this. I went to England, which are the ancestors of us here in America, and it was a world of difference culturally yeah. from where we're at in perspective and lingo and dialogue and, and just nationalism even, just how they feel about their nation versus everyone else, their history. It changes perspectives. Grand. And I was asked this question over there. If I had to run a game over there, what would I do? And I would say, first and foremost, I would find an interpreter. <laughs> I right? would spend a long period of time learning the culture of the land I'm going to be uh, portraying. And they speak English. Like, they can yeah. understand me fine. It's the same, but you need an interpreter. Right. Right? Because you need to understand the cultural ticks of the area to get to really... That's your first hurdle. Right. right, you have a game, you have a weird little book written by written by the fun Western world, and you want to understand what goes on in it. And why I say that is because we're pretty much anything goes here in the states. It, here, here's the other thing too, just to touch on this, what you're saying, like even that little cultural difference, that little cultural difference, it, it exists even within the context of the United States. If you go one city to another, the way that they game yeah. over there is going to be different than the way you game you know, in your home city. So from that perspective, like, yeah, you definitely want to learn the culture of the people wherever you're going to be playing. You know, that that's going to help you to portray uh, those concepts. To give it a perspective, um, I, I did play in a LARP, really tabletop, call it LARP if you like, uh, but it was with 30 people. It was in Little Rock, Arkansas. We only did it for a weekend. That was weird um, because <laughs> it, it was weird. It was because everybody's super polite. Right. Right. Everybody likes each other, has a good time. No one wants to screw everybody over. It was like a massive D&D game of 30 vampires versus whatever walked up to them. Right. Don't mess with my friend and, and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, those, that was my beginning days. But the point is, I saw that and was like, oh, wow, weird. Um, we'll have to learn to go with that. Right. Uh, also, people did it up. What I mean by that is there wasn't a soul who didn't have the makeup and fangs and all that. And they yeah. were very, they're very more into court. Than necessarily story. Right. And that's that's the first thing I'm going to say. We're past the piece of, you know, caveat emptor in terms of your area. Right. Now we got to look at just how into this you're going to be. Is it going to be story-based or is it going to be player-based? And the difference here is player-based means they're going to come at it 100%. You've right. talked to your players and they're going to be dressed up. They have 12 pages for each character, all that stuff. The other one is... They're just, it's, it's, it's you focused. I mean, they're right. going to come normal looking to be entertained and they'll have their sheets, but then you dress up or do whatever, or set the scenes and run through a very linear fashion. Yeah. You got to decide which way you're going to do that. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've found, um, in my experience for storytelling for a LARP, um, versus storytelling for tabletop, um, in LARP, there's a couple of different scenarios that you're going to find. Um, one is like Bob was saying, it's storyteller driven, right? There's an event and there's a bunch of things that are going to happen. And you as a storyteller are going to work out all these details in advance and let all of your players know, like, you know, you, you got a rivalry with this individual and you've got this dark secret and da, 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 and you're going to go over all these beats or alternatively, 
what I've experienced a lot is it's Elysium, it's Espot, it's the Prince Holding Court, it's 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 a place, right? And you set that scene, and then you as a storyteller tend to be more administrative. Like you might play an NPC character, you might play something that drives the plot, but for the most part, your players have their own motivations and their role play, hopefully, is going to carry that game. That's another way that you can do it. You can also do a combination. And the and the last thing I want to say is that we do a Patreon podcast called Teach Me How, where we go over extensive parts of this that are going to be invaluable to you. Yeah. Um, undoubtedly, definitely check that out. Um, I'm positive Nate has multiple multiple times right. <laughs> mentioned the links for it and whatnot, so I won't right. do it again here. Uh, but I will also let you know that if you get the LARP books, that will help you way more yeah. than even our... Those books with their teach me house, you're set. Right. With understanding how you're going to do and go about it. And, and you know, there, that I can't, I feel like that can't be over, like that can't be overemphasized because you, in order to understand how to run the game, you do truly need to read the book and get an understanding for how that the game was intended to be run by the creators, right? You can do whatever you want at the end of the day. You can run whatever game you want. But having a good basis of understanding comes from the study of the material that was written. And, you know, it's, it's like Bob said. Basically, all you need to do is pick. You say, I'm going to run this game out of this book. And you go and you read it. Because there isn't a right and wrong book. There's just variations on the theme. And, you know, I, I've, I've, uh, I've made it a point to go and collect the older LARP books. And the older LARP books are just like the tabletop books, but with a, a small little bit of thread sewn into them on how you can strategize with LARP. And for that, I think those are an invaluable tool. Uh, whereas like the newer ones are revised are kind of just like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Like, here you go. You already know how to LARP. Here's better rules. The older books, they have many books explaining many different strategies that you will not find in the newer books, or you have to mine deeply to find them. So that's, that's exhaustive. Yeah, <laughs> to get a TLDR, you got to read. Right, that's right. that's what it's what it is because those we can't yeah. do it enough. We did yeah, we've been doing this for a while, and most of what we go over is is from the book. Right, and that's the key. And if it's hard, if if reading is hard for you, this is going to be a very difficult hobby. <laughs> right. Yes, gaming in general might not be the best options for you. However. Um, we're assuming reading is not a problem. That's why you're here. Um, so, uh, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, our, our meetup. So today is the 19th. We're going to have a meetup like we did last year, um, at Gen Con downtown Indianapolis, uh, the Thursday, the August 1st, and we're going to have two, actually two different meetups. I don't know if we've mentioned that in our previous, uh, uh, previous podcasts, but, we're going to have one earlier in the day um, from 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock and all of the information on where to get tickets, free tickets, don't need a badge. Uh, all the information will be found on our website. So don't worry about that. Um, I won't you know, annoy you with that information here. But Bob and I are going to be giving away a ton of stuff just to people that attend, you know, that ask questions. Uh, we're going to be recording a live podcast. Most likely... Big surprise, most likely that podcast is going to be a review of Demon the Fallen. 
the classic world of darkness demon um, that uh, I, I, I've, I've read a little bit of. I don't know how much knowledge of it Bob has, but we're going to review it live for people there, and we're going to record it, and we're going to share it with all of you. So that should be totally cool. Then we have a second uh, event at 8 o'clock that night at a different location. The information for that can also be found on the website where what? we're just we're just going to hang out, play cards, and um, hopefully give away some more prizes and just have a Wait. good old time. Wait a minute. This isn't two events in two different days. It's two events in one day. Yep. Yep. So if you miss one Crazy. and you want to go to the other one or you want to go to both. Um, but we have uh, we've we've been able to nail down some sponsors for these events. Um, we're going to be um, rewarded with something from Onyx Path, something very cool. And also Modifius is going to be giving us something to give to our listeners. So come hang out. It's totally free. Don't need a, a badge. We're not affiliated or associated with Gen Con in that regard. So if you're just like, hey, I'm in Indiana. I want to go do a thing. It's free. Um, we do request you get a ticket just so we can keep track of how many people are going to show up for safety reasons. Um, but we hope to see you folks there. And the tickets are each $1 million. Yeah. Yeah. They're, so. they're very expensive. But it's, you know, it's for a good cause for us. <laughs> no, they're they're totally free. Um, we do we do accept your kind donations, but we don't require them. We're not requesting them. Uh, it's something for us that we're doing to give back to you. Um, we are spending Patreon money to do this to throw these events. So we hope you all come and take advantage. It's us to give back to you who've given so much to us. So, all right, let's offend people, shall we? I suppose. <laughs> now, I say that because uh, the book that we're reviewing, the Bali Clan book, is kind of one of those more notorious black dog books um, that I've, I've uh, I don't get involved in the conversations online, but I do see them where people, you know, they, they make their little comments and they, uh, they cast aside such black dog material um, and uh, do not mm. give it its, its, its due. Um, but I, I think that in some regard, it is the, the criticism is is correct. It's 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 not misplaced. Um, the story that it starts out with. I'm trying to think of the the criticism here. Um, so I get this book right, the Bali mm-hmm. clan book. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm in the store and I go, hmm, I'm gonna get a clan book. Which right, one should I get? Right. And of all the wholesome clan books that are approved by Jesus, which one am I gonna get? <laughs> Hmm. I look enough. around and I see the vagina back mouth of his Amici clan book and that's yeah. over the line. I'm not looking for that. That's mm-hmm. hmm. then I go over and I look at the Gangrel clan book and I'm like, huh? No, no, I think I got that. You know, the Ventru. Oh no, I'm not feeling patrician today. I mean, and sword or no, right, of course, right. but there's this half naked pagan woman bent over showing shadow nipple. Yeah. Yes, yeah. She's completely nude. Um, looks wild, like she's doing some sort of right in a doorway. That's not a doorway. Wait a minute. Those are. Is that a bat with a? Is that demonic horns? Is yeah. that a? I'm not. Yeah, I'm this not is really the book sure, I'm yeah. going to get. I'm this not is really the book sure. I'm going to get. I'm pretty sure this is the book I'm going to get. It could be a fire of the gates of hell. I don't know what they're going for here, but 
Uh, maybe it's good. A Black Dog Clam book for Vampire of the Dark Ages for adults only. Yeah, I'm pretty hmm. distinctly sure that when I bought this, it was also polybagged, although I can't confirm that now. I bought it so long ago. But I think it was a polybagged, so you couldn't open it kind of book. Um, I think the the more the most offensive ones they made a big deal out of doing that with. Wait, there's yeah. more. I don't even get a page in before it says note. Clan book by Lee is intended for individuals over eighteen only, mm-hmm. and even then, we want you to think twice about playing one. White Wolf in no way condones any of the practices described to the Bali herein, and wishes to make it perfectly clear that we don't encourage encourage any to emulate anything that these guys do. The Bali are evil, vicious, sadistic, demented, twisted, hateful, and completely fictional. If you want to add a Bali to your chronicle, here's everything you need to do so. Now, if that didn't tell you, put it back. <laughs> right, right. Right? Like, right. they literally are like, oh man, adults only, this is going to be pretty seedy. Flip. Warning. Right. We're not joking. Well, you know, it's it's the criticism that this book gets that, it's the same criticism that books like, that, you know, your horror novels get, where they're like, oh, it's just... It's just written that way just to be shocking, just to be whatever. And, you know, to me, like, I was raised on Stephen King. You know, I was raised on your Hellraisers. I was raised on that type of horror. And so reading this, yeah, it's it's disturbing that the story that starts the material out is definitely disturbing. I'm not going to, you know, go into it here. But it's certainly disturbing on a number of levels. But I think it's the, horror. I think the profound quote here. That sums all this up, right? Mm-hmm. Took it from C.S. Lewis and the Chronicles of Narnia. It's in here, too. It's off the bat. It's not because he and I are one, but because we are opposites. I take to me the services which thou hast done to him, for I and he are of such different kinds that no service which is vile can be done to me, and none which is not vile can be done to him. Right? That is literally a quote that gets you thinking, and it's foreboding. Right. Right, it's talking about duality, opposites, something good that can happen and something vile that cannot not happen. Like it's inevitable, you know. That's what it speaks to me. And when I when I see stuff like that, when I read stuff like that, there's a clear cut maturity you have to have in reading this book. Clear, it's distinctive. You're not going to read this, and jump in a game with a you know a profound understanding of everything this book entails. No, right. this requires you to think. That very quote says to think. Right? right, And to all the whatever, I call it malarkey. When everybody's just like, I don't understand something, so I'm just going to poop on it. And I don't understand, you know, I'm not, not going to seek clarity. I'm just going to stick with my opinion and screw right. this book. But, all right? And, and here's, here's my perspective on that. As someone who has been a consumer of, of horror and who is aware that horror is often viewed as lowbrow material since I was a kid. So, you know, 10, 9, 10 years old. I've been consuming, you know, Clive Barker, Stephen King, like I said, like H.P. Lovecraft, all these like horrors. To me, there's a lot of people that aren't going to get it. And there's a lot of people I think that forget that vampire in general is horror. It is meant to challenge your preconceived notions. It's meant to stir emotion in you. And you can do it from the most romantic, from, you know, the Victorian era, you know, Count Dracula romance or... It can be the you know the the nineteen eighties vampire threat you know slasher type flicks uh, you know either of those are applicable and everything in between I think is applicable as well. I'm gonna be as cold as possible. I'm I'm built on what horror is and what nightmares are made of. 
They are the things that get your imagination just pumping. When I lay in bed at night and I think of the scary things that could exist in my shadow that I'm looking in my room, what was that bump outside the door? I'm thinking of stories. My imagination's alive. I am lit. I am able to think with a clarity that just doesn't exist any other time. Because when you are in danger, you are primed to survive it. That is when your brain is at its most active. But I know it's not real. That is my imagination having fun. And that's the distinction. I know the pause button. When you speak through fear, you speak through ignorance. When you ignorantly try to digest something, you dissuade it, you negatively, you know, cast it aside. You didn't digest it, you didn't try, you didn't care to. And it takes somebody to come along and go, did you look at it from this perspective? And that's what writers do. Writers do that from several different angles, and not all of them are your cup of tea. And I'll say this, if you don't like the tea, put it back in the pot. Right. Right? It's that simple, you don't have to drink it. Now... All that being said, the opening story, right? <laughs> so, because that's what I care about is this book here. Uh, the uh, the, right. the This book is the best clan book, period, ever written by White Wolf. It's that simple. Ever ever produced by them. Actually, it's Black Dog. And uh, a good old Justin Achille helped out with this book. And there's another character in here, Lucian Solban, that definitely co-wrote it. And I got to tell you, Lucian, you know, from uh, Montreal by Night. Yeah, right. Well, that's a, that's another book that people have a big problem with, and not me. Sorry, I, right? I, uh, yeah, I, I have no, I have no, I don't know if uh, I would agree that this is the best clan book, but I will say uh, it is a clan book. I, I've it's probably the clan book I've read the most, and it's one of the most I think enjoyable to me. It's because. It's the best. <laughs> and that's the best that's that's your that's your uh, that's your assessment i'm not gonna discount you um i don't have an alternate to throw up but um there's plenty of things in here that might make you throw up uh sven skoog is the other one that uh or i hope that's right that's two o's i'm american sorry i uh, was the was the other writer sorry that's uh th- yeah it looks right to me i think uh so why why mention that why even go into it why is it the best off the bat this book is not boring it c- couldn't be boring if you tried. No, it sucker punches right? you. There's no way it could be. And it does it in a facet that uh, is very taboo, right? Um, what is taboo? At least at the time when this was written, um, you didn't have the sensitivity the world is slowly being forced into, thankfully. And uh, that is uh, the sexuality of, of men, right? Men with men. Um, that is something that it punches you with first, and it's a subtlety that is not present. What I mean by that is it's... It's, it's of an interaction between the two that we can't talk for yeah. reasons of how this podcast is produced. But I will tell you it's done in such a tasteful way that it's not to be necessarily graphic because you're paying attention to the torment that comes right after it, right? The timing is there. I will say this. If you have a problem with like sex and violence in that context, in a horror context, don't even bother picking this book up. Don't read it. Just pass this one by. You'll be fine. However, if you can take horror for what it is and it doesn't affect you like that, then you might be able to get some enjoyment out of this book. The same way that you would, you know, any any other horror novel. Now, why do I say that this is the best clan book? Thematically, it holds well. From its beginning story, that's throughout this book. It doesn't go away. Your author is the child that is tormenting the man. Um, from the beginning on through. And I say child in the fact that he's, he's got to be late teen. 
right? Well, he was raised as a child for sure. So that's that's what it is. He's uh, I well, I mean, because you can't really say right because from right. the drawing, it doesn't even say they don't say age, right? Right, which is what I like about it. But in the drawing, definitely looks like a teenager, right? And it's mm-hmm. not graphic, by the way. In in the drawing, it's just it's it's him. Yeah. Now the sinister way they draw this guy, uh, the way this uh, teen holds a needle, the shadows of it, the art's beautiful. It goes right with the story. You know, I'm a fan of that. I have to be. Yeah. So and even I was going to say the interesting thing about this book is that more so than any other clan book that I've read, the art goes right along with the story being told. Right. And a lot of them, it's just like, oh well, that's a that's a Zemis or that's a scary picture. We'll just put it there. This is like the pictures are telling the tale along with the words. Now, beautiful thing about it, at the end of the story, right, it shows you a picture of what looks like torso of the child, of the teen. I don't want to keep saying child. A child's a child. The torso of the teen, and then it's a bug's body on the back end, right? Like a wasp. Yeah. yeah. Now, why is that? Um, that is a head nod to what a lot of uh, demons are accused of, right? It's also to uh, kind of play with your mind in regards of, is that teen a teen, or was he always this, this final form of whatever this is? Or is it just creative license? They don't explain why it's there, and that's beautiful, because your imagination is still hooked, even after the story and you wish it to continue. Then it goes on, right? Mm -hmm. The very next picture is something that has always captured my imagination, sort of an over, a top-down view. Right of a group of would-be Dark Age heroes about to go into a very scary-looking cathedral. Yeah, yeah. Right? I always think a cathedral or maybe, maybe a necropolis. I don't know. It's, yeah, it, it's it almost like, it almost gives me, like, a sensation of, like, a prison, you know? or it, yeah. But it definitely has, like, a sort of eldritch kind of feel to it. Like, this is a place we probably don't belong. Um, <laughs> and we have to be here because... There's something very terrible, and we're the only ones that can do anything about it. Why I'm laughing is because you're describing the guy on the right. His hands are out. Like, do we even... Are you sure? Right. He's like, <laughs> uh, I mean, the door's open, but I don't think I really want to go in. Hey, I'm cool. I'm going to go watch the caravan. Yeah. You know, caravan. That's what it is. Um, so, then it skips on, and you have an actual quote, again, from the, from the Bali, right, this time. And, uh, or at least that's what's quoted to. It says, the voice you hear is one and all Bali. It is third person and first, neutral and personal. Why? Because no one voice speaks the entire truth and is the voice of truth. That could be said of all of mankind. Right. Just argue a point. And this is another thing they do here. Subtly, they, they plan our own culture. Right? All cultures are based on being polite of face. And at all times, you want to say the nice things. If not the nicest, nicest say, don't say it. But then you sure do say those not nice things when you're venting about it to your right. friends and family and jokes and stories, right? So you're not being entirely truthful. It's the same thing here. And so it opens and sets the pace for the rest of this clan novel. And that is, what truth do you think you're getting as you're reading this? Right. right? So I think it's beautiful. And it doesn't stop, Right. Uh, it opens with the uh, Eight in Eternity, a fragment of Bali history, and you're going to think right here, oh, great, they're going to tell me, well, here's this dude named Dave. Dave had a family <laughs> and a farm, and we're going to move forward. No. no. <laughs> Not getting that. No. Not at no. all. Uh, this comes from the dreams of Angra Manyu, the deceiver, high priest of Bali, or high priest of Baal. It's even more deceiving because the very name Angra Manyu 
is the opposite of Ahura Mazda in Zoroastrianism. Ahura Mazda being the god of light, anger, mind you, being that of darkness, his physical, evil, condensed self. And so it leaves you to think, are these the words of anger, mind you? High priest of Baal, it, wait a second, right? You have to figure that out for you. Right. As you go through this, which is, it's, again, I think it's poetic. Yeah. So um, after that, it uh, tells us the tale of the first tribe, right? And I'm going to try to tell you the condensed story here. So once upon a time, there was the first tribe. And the first tribe, they were, you know, setting up shop, doing what uh, early tribes of man do. And they're digging in the ground and, you know, maybe trying to build a well or trying to, you know, f trying to grow their crops or something, maybe. I got time on one point. Uh -huh. One point. We can't miss this. Mm -hmm. Here's the other thing you have to figure out. And all of, all of the faith, right, when the war of heaven happens, when the angels and mm -hmm. all that go at it, the fallen fall to the ground. Right. Right? That's what you always hear. And then they burrow to get away from the sun, right? That's what it'll tell you. However, there's license taking here because it says when God said, let there be light, he lit up the entire cosmos. Right, right. And then the children that they're talking about fell and most of them died and burnt to ash. And those who didn't, they tore into the ground. Yeah. This was before the fall. Right. So, so where I was going with it was that this first tribe of people they find these entities, these creatures that existed before the Inquisitor God shone his avenging light on the earth and, you know, the, the cosmos. And so they find one of these, whatever they are, children, right, that sleep, that burrowed their way into the ground, hiding from the light. And uh, this, this, uh, this poor, unfortunate creature, as we'll call it, um, he began to shout the names of his brothers and sisters searching for solace and his brothers and sisters was sleeping because they were like, fuck that light too. All right. So I don't know what these creatures are and they don't tell us what these creatures are they other do. than, other than they're creatures that existed before. Light what, I mean existed. By they, what I mean by they do like classic white wolf, this mm -hmm. actually channels and touches across other books, mm -hmm. right? This very instant talking about the first, well, we already read about, it. you read right. about it in Cappadocian a bit. You read about it in the Zemisi clan book a bit. And you heard a little, like, different tales on, stories on this. Right. Here's the piece that ties it together. This is outside the city of Ashur. All right? Now, if you remember about this, there was Ashur, and then they thought it was Enoch and whatever. This is another ancient city where the Canaanites lived in here, and this is what was going on out here. This is one of the tribes that existed that was away from them, and it's called the First Tribe. Mm -hmm. And what's phenomenal about this and interesting is you're told uh, from several perspectives that Zemis was actually the one who went out to torment these people. Right. They actually right? give uh, clues to that in here as well. And it's like, hmm, okay, well, that's weird. Well, what else happened? Well, we, we may think the book is just crazy. The chaos factor hints at one Methuselah, the Methuselah mentioned in there, whose story gives even more insight uh, to what this is all about. Because he existed out there, Shaitan. Mm -hmm. Right? That's the name he, he was given. That's what he has. And he went out there and he played with these people and he shouldn't have. Right. Right? He was the most beautiful, made someone jealous and what have you. And it was assumed Zemis was the one that got jealous because before this dude, Zemis was the most evil and twisted. But then here's this beautiful boy running around and ah, la, 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 la. And they were like, right. oh, wait, that dude's foul. Throw him out. And, that, and that's what happened. And then these children right. are what he ran into. Well, so anyways, this first tribe, um, they discover this creature. Whatever this creature was, it burns in the sun, right? Only a few minutes pass, 
that they're claiming in the story here, and it burns in the sun. However, all the the names that it it shouted out, um, it, these people learned those names, and the, they learned that those names had great power, and uh, so they start using them, and then they start to get these visions, essentially, where they're like, "Oh shit!" Like if we keep using these names, these motherfuckers are going to wake up. And the world's going to end. And there's nothing we can do to stop it. We're powerless. So they start to dilute the names, dilute the names by hiding them into fallen languages and and changing them and altering them so, so that they can still have a little piece of that power, but the, it's watered down. And so in order to keep them lulled and to keep them asleep, because these creatures that sleep under the ground, they believe that they are gods and kings of their own reality. And so they fill their dreams with the sounds of torment and horror as they rape and pillage and murder and do all this terrible shit to sort of lull these creatures to sleep. So, and where we're at, right, we're talking, Bob had mentioned that well, they start throwing all the corpses and sacrifices and, and, you know, if, if, if they're in times of peace, they go and steal cattle and murder that cattle. If they're in times of war, they sacrifice the prisoners and throw them in this well and just fill this hole with all their atrocities. The point being... You were telling us a tale, yeah, and no, I the, was enjoying it. The, the individual that you mentioned before, right? Assure. Assure. Whoever Assure is, or whatever Assure is, because as we learn in later books, maybe that's not even a person. Maybe that's a state uh, of being. Assures a city in this book. Right, right. It's a place, it's a person, it's a thing, it's whatever you want it to be. So this individual comes and he's like, what is this bullshit? Y'all playing at being evil? Y'all y'all playing at, at being, being disgusting and sick? No, no, I'm sorry. Whoever this individual was, for whatever his motivation may have been, decides to just lay waste to this tribe. Just kill him. Slaughtering, tearing ribs from flesh. Right. They make a mention of that. That's one of the things that that, uh, you know, we 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 speculate about who the progenitor of the Bali is. And one of the clues that they give in here is the according to this story, the manipulation of flesh and bone as if it were clay. Right. right. And so he pitches all these assholes into this pit and he's like, here's some of my blood, throw some blood in there and he leaves. Right. He's <laughs> like, there you go. You can have it. And three, and, uh, three come out of the hole. Now, when we talk about he threw him into the pit, the bits and pieces, and three came out of the hole and all that stuff, um, this could be metaphor. Right? Right. This is the, this is the thing. This de- book definitely doesn't leave you to feel like it's a metaphor. I think it's very real. Right? And the picture of the well they show crawling out, and there's five. Right? <laughs> yeah, what, right. What's, what's going on here? And I will tell you this. This book is written in villainy. They did themselves well. This book is written in villainy. This is not the holy testament of the Bali and the sacred sacrifice they have to make no. to keep evil at bay. No. What it is, is a book of manipulators from on high of the most success who have convinced an entire bloodline that they have to keep doing what they do to keep something asleep. When in reality, as we'll get to in a minute, they're just redoing a cycle, making attempts to wake them up. Right. All right. And you'll, and you'll see that. But the, uh, sorry, the three. Nergal, and then Moloch, and then whoever the third one was, they don't know the name of. Well, and that comes into play later because of Shiatan, because of the, the false right. Shiatan. Right, who, who would take that, right. The reason why that's important is because you have 
um, Nergal and you have Moloch who are diametrically opposed as to how the how this new group should operate. And um, one of them wants to keep the the entities asleep, right? The, committing the atrocities, using a watered-down version of the word to prolong until the end of time. And then you have Nergal, who is like, nah, fuck that. I want the power now. I want to usher in the end of the world. Let's do this, right? And then the third individual, we don't know who that is. Some refer to that individual as the crone. Some think it's Lilith. Some think it's Solid. You know, like, and that's that's a weird one to me too, right? Like, some think Solid embraced them all. Some think Solid was an embracee. Uh, okay, hey, who knows, right? We don't know. Nobody knows who who's who, who's what. So, anyways, these two begin to fight, right? And Go ahead. Uh, before the fight, mm-hmm. I just wanted to add to the whole yeah. Asher thing that we might have forgotten about. And I will say, not forgot, just that that's how it went uh, so far the story. Uh, they have Chaldean lore, right? Traces uh, the Bali progenitor to the Northlands, right? Mm-hmm. Chaldean, meaning on the Northlands of Cappadocia. Mm-hmm. This is where it's like, oh, it's Cappadocia. However, other sources insist uh, that the concealment and desire for seclusion, uh, Assyrian or otherwise, stemmed from a hideous deformity he carried back with him from the far east a third eye unsleeping right. eye which lesen has it could see into the fears secrets and dark desires of men right right so this is where all the all the hoopla comes from right this section here what i mean by hoopla this because it's blacked out and separate from the story and people read this they take it as this is fact right so right. okay well what what is fact was it zemis was it cappadocius or was it solid that's right here. However, right. it still serves in my insanity and my <laughs> sincere belief that Solid's a bastard. Right. And just that's that I'll resume you to the rest well, of the tale. Well, just, uh, and and basically this this war carries out between the two. And it, at this point it's not an all-out war, right? Because uh because Moloch doesn't want it to turn into a Bali civil war. So basically he does some some dirty deeds and he gives up uh, what's his name? He gives up Nergal and gives him up to the clans. And he's like, Oh, look what this guy's doing. He's doing all this terrible shit. And so the clans obviously turn on him and they're like, no. And so he, he quote unquote gets done in, but he doesn't. Right. And we know he doesn't because he comes back. He comes back later. Um, but that's basically, um, there is kind of this diametrically opposite, perspective on what the Bali are and what the Bali should be about. And some of them kind of claim the, um, they claim to be, you know, sort of like an anti-hero, which it's a stretch, but you know, they're, they're, they don't espouse giving up your, your soul to infernal powers. They think you should use them to prevent the, the, the call of the end times. And then supposedly there's this other faction that that doesn't believe that that believes like let's call the end hey wait a second Mm -hmm. i don't i don't drink baby slurries for my health no i do it to keep them asleep there are (laughs) fictitious entities of evil i gotta do this right right i didn't kill your closest friends and relatives and and plant myself in your family as a friend only to betray you and kill you all horrifically slowly uh not because i'm bad it's because what i have to do your, your holy sacrifices for my cause. Co- yeah. Um, it's funny how one person's evil 
is another person's uh, saving grace, right? I bring up Frank Castle. Mm-hmm. I submit to you, right? If you're one who's for society and justice, he's a piece of crap. This guy's, ah, oh, you can't believe how this guy is, right? He just doesn't believe in the law. He doesn't do it. He's wrong to be that way. This guy should be arrested and or killed, depending on how, you know, tried in a court, of course. Whereas if you're a Punisher fan, you believe in that Hammurabi code, right? If you hadn't murdered those people, I wouldn't be murdering you right now. You know, if you didn't do child, uh, whatever, stealing and selling them for money, you didn't do slave trade, I wouldn't have to kill you right now. But right. that's what you chose to do. Interesting. Because when you look at this book, I see the same thing when you go through Moloch and Nergal. Right? It's right. They're still doing... this. Death is death in the way you slice it, right? That's what it comes down to. Whether you slap justice on it or not is a moral perception. And it depends on which side of the fence you're standing on. So too goes this whole claim book. Yeah, but also, uh, no. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, no. I mean... Um, it, it is definitely, it's definitely a perspective. It's a perspective that one could have, but I think that like silently committing atrocities so that the, these hypothetical creatures don't wake up. That's a bit of a stretch to me. I, I so, I, so I'll, I'll challenge this. If that is considered a far fetch, look up the religions that, ex- that exist, right? And how many sacrifices were done in the names of gods and mm-hmm. religious persecution and whatnot. And you tell me what's evil then. I don't disagree with you on that. Uh, I can't I can't make a case against that. However, I'm not going to say that any of those are virtuous. What I will say is that it is very easy for, for someone to justify their deeds when they feel they're on the side of, of right. And that's exactly my point. Mm-hmm. Right? What the true evil of this, or the true cool thing about this book and why I consider it's the best... Every clan book tries to capture the essence of a vampire's corrupting influence, right? Mm-hmm. Of how they're just bad and, you know, whatever, and humanity, blah, blah, blah. This book, you are never in doubt. Right. right. You're never in doubt. This book isn't about these demons crawling out of the pit and forcing you to do stuff. And, oh, man, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. Seems to me you were embraced and brought into this cult and you made the ultimate decision to do what you did. Right. That was you. This whole time, it was you walking the path of perdition. And that's a very important point, because they are the one clan who always gives their embraces a choice, right? Due to how they're embraced, they drain them of blood almost completely, almost to the point of death, and they throw them in a pit. And they go, if you want to be embraced, you want to survive this, you got to find that blood. So you literally get the option, like, nah, I'm cool, I'll just die, right? And what's interesting... Every Sabbat member sat back and went, wait a second, Nate. I thought you were a fan of the Sabbat. That's exactly what happens to the Sabbat. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. It's, yeah. it's, it's a choice. Difference this. When the Sabbat come out, they were fighting for survival from get-go. They didn't know what was going on in that regard. But, this, but it, Yeah, right. I, I, but I, I think it's important to state for the record, like, the Sabbat aren't good guys. They're, well, they're, they're evil. Like, killing, eh, killing. Eh, <laughs> eh. Let's 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 put that footnote there for a minute. What point I'm trying to make is not that the Sabbat are good or bad in their own right, because they're no more good or bad than a vampire is good or bad. That's what I, that's my point. <laughs> Same with <laughs> that. Right, right, point. right, right. But this is definitely bad. Is what I'm trying right. to go with you yeah, here, bro. Yeah. And and what I'm saying is is right here, from the beginning story of this book, they tell you how an embrace goes down. Uh-huh. For these people, you are not a good person if the Bali approach you to be embraced. No. They select their children specifically. It's going to be, you were a vile person from the beginning. Right, right. 
Yeah, wh- whatever whatever helps you get through your your night of hell, great. Tell yourself that, but don't think for a moment these guys are are on the side of virtue. Like, right? That they're not. Um, so, can you tell me a little bit about um, Moloch and his love affair? Um, uh, do you know Do you know what I'm talking about? You talking about the whole uh, connection to uh, to the Bruja? Yeah, but I'm trying to. I couldn't think of Carthage suddenly. Yeah, yeah. It like left my brain. I was <laughs> like, it's Carthage. Place? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, they're they're so uh, they're influencing Carthage. Yeah. So what happens is is that uh, Malik more or less seduces her or his way. I state that because there's several times Malik's gender has changed depending on who's telling the story, and also Troyles. Right. And uh, they slips into Carthage and basically seduces. Right. That's that's the whole thing. And and wasn't there. Here's the part that cracks me up, right? They didn't walk into, didn't go to, Carthage wasn't this super nice place that all these vampires kicking rocks. Right. You know, everybody was getting along, helping fix, you know, damaged wheels and carts and the Bruja were using their strength to lift it so a mortal could easily replace it. You know, they weren't walking along since supper time and, you know, the Bruja baked and cooked all this food. And meanwhile, the mortals walked up and cleaned their wrists. Right? <laughs> Knowing they'd be eating as the Bruja would be feeding, and it right. was great. Right. No. They cite in here, definitely, it says, remember, Sumerian, Babylonian, Akkadian, all these empires that came before, their descendants are kicking kicking it around in Carthage. Right? They brought all those religions with them. Right. Right? North Africa, whatnot, Fertile Crescent, that whole area. And they, Persian, old religions were brutal back in the day. They didn't know any better. Right? And what I mean by didn't know any better, it's not like we know any better now. For all we know, that's why it worked. Right, we don't know, but we're a civilized nation. We don't. We would like to think that we don't have to kill anybody on Sunday, and that's uh, and that's that's the Christian right, influence, right. though. Right, that's what I have to hammer home. So, in here, it's no different. Why Moloch was able to waltz in and and seduce is because if you're already bloody, right? If you're already doing these sacrifices and whatever, if I walk in singing a different tune, but it's pretty much the same as what you got going on. What am I really doing here but signing up? Right. Well, and they, they talk, too, about how, you know, Troil comes and observes these these terrible rites and doesn't participate, but also doesn't do anything to stop it. Like, quietly right. accepts that this is okay, but doesn't do anything to change it. And starts to have a, um, you know, a vampiric love affair with Moloch, right? These two bond and become lovers and Moloch forgets basically what he's his purpose there is, which is to, you know, cause it's to twist. It's to, it's to corrupt. It's to, you know, to perform these debased rituals and he loses sight and the two fall in love. Oh, what a, what a love affair we have. What a great tale of love and woe. And then Carthage falls and they, they mention in here sort of callously, like, they were both salted at the at the ruins so that they could never rise from the ground. Um, now, I, I thought that that was pretty interesting. Well, it's it's in, I agree. It's interesting how the viewpoint of the Bali is mm-hmm. on that. You know, right. to say it's so harsh, right? Right? Um, because they're they're ritual, they're they're a cult. They're a cult. Looking back, go, hey, you forgot what right. our, what we were here to do, right? Right. Which, if you pull anybody aside and ask them what we're here to do, they're going to give you rhetoric. But if you ask them, how do you know to do what you do? It's because it's word of mouth. It's what my sire had me do. Right. And before him, that's what he had me do. 
But not a single one of them was this told to them to do. Right. Right. You got to remember, this is power corrupting itself at its core. Right. What did Nate say? The origins of these guys were that we came out of this well, we were here, we heard these words of power, we learned them, and then we learned that we can't really be using them, and we got to do all these duties to keep them asleep. Okay. Sounds to me, you don't know what the hell you're doing. Right. You learned, <laughs> right. You learned right. some words and they did some stuff. Right. And now you're in fear that what you woke with those words wants right. you, not anybody else, because it's weird. World wars have happened. Right. There's atrocity upon atrocity that's happened. If all you have to do is mass murder and mayhem, my God, those things will sleep forever. Right. Exactly. Right. So there has to be the fact that you were like, Dale. Dale and the child woke up and Dale's like, what? Don't you like hamburgers, bro? I love hamburgers. Here, here's the power to be immune to sunlight, you vampire. You make me my burger, right? As I mock the Bali, because that's what happens. You spoke to something, it spoke back. That's the lesson. But had you never crossed that boundary, you never would be in danger. But because you are, it's like they're doing some great act that not only gives them power, but it puts them in danger. Right. I'll, and they also, don't know I, how to I, stop it. So I, I, I want to mention, too, something that I, I found a little humorous, and that was the return of Nergal in the guise of Shiatin, <laughs> the great, the founder, the, you know, the third. He calls himself Shiatin. And then we get, they, they kind of, I, uh, I feel like they already were doing a little bit of retcon because we had already been introduced to Shiatin at this point. We were introduced to Shiatin in Chaos Factor. We sure were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we sure were. <laughs> and they, they go into great detail to mention that, um, you know, many have come uh, wearing the form of Shiatin, calling themselves the great deceiver and all this. And I'm like, yeah, okay, we see what you did here. You're, you're like, oh, how do we fix this? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't know what that was. But let us tell you what this is. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Well done, I might say. This whole book's deceptive. It's only fair right. that that's, that's thrown into, you know, little, little baby loves his medicine. Right. And uh, so, so fun town, right? And uh, what we're getting to, or what I wanted to f- wrap up my soul point. Yeah. When do you think of Carthage? And, and by now, we've reviewed all sides, right? This being the final piece. They all agree on one thing. There was some not good stuff going on. <laughs> when yeah. folks got there, right? right? If you recall from the SMI clan book, we talked about how when they went there, and they saw what was going on. They weren't like, all right, let's join in and have fun. They went in to infiltrate, get to the heart of it so they could yeah. cut it out. Right. That's what they were there to do. And mm-hmm. it was hard to do because if they were found out, what happens? If you don't blend, you're going to have someone with a lot of strength and speed and a lot of their friends. Basically, you're going to get torn apart yeah. before you know what's it, going it on. It turns out if you're committing horrible atrocity after horrible atrocity and drawing attention to the fact that you're a vampire committing these awful deeds... Um, that's going to tr- attract uh, the attention of not only the mortal population, who's going to be like, all right, there's a limit. But then the other canines at this time who were like, no, 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 sorry. We, we like the cushy little thing we have going on called reality. We'd like to keep it that way. Okay. Thanks. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So you guys got to go. <laughs> you have to go. It even gives a head nod too to, it calls it desperately seeking Satan. And you could read that uh, to kind of wrap your brain around why the aspects of Satan worship is in here. 
Right. And I mean Satan worship as in worshiping Satan, not hell, not infernalism. I mean like there's a devil and right. they believe he's walking amongst them and he left a way to follow and a way to be. Uh, the Bali hate that guy too. Right. Uh, well, they, have, and they, they talk too about how um, because there's such a like a deep divide and so much misinformation that sometimes the Bali themselves forget what their purpose is. And they, you know, take to worshiping like Christian gods, and they're like, "Wait a minute, we were here before that religion existed. Why, why are <laughs> you, why, why are we doing that?" So, yeah, it's it's a very interesting take on uh, the the hierarchy and purpose of the Bali. Um, one of the things I did like about this um, this next chapter, I believe it's in, is when they talk about um, what they did to the Asimites. Hmm. And uh, how they were like, yeah, those damn Asimites, let's curse them. <laughs> like, no bones about it. They were like, yeah, we did this thing, and we were like, screw it, and we just cursed them. And it's weird. I, uh, I've always found that odd, right? Mm-hmm. Why did they choose to curse them to bring them about? Well, you learn why. Mm-hmm. And there's a link. And that link's called Urshulgi. Yeah. Right? Always been a myth since they brought Urshulgi in the scene. Um, Urshul Gi uh, was, or was introduced to the clan Asimite when he made an entire tunnel that two armies could clash in, filled up to the hip in blood as the whole wind howled and wailed to announce his presence. And when that blood rescinded, it was one burnt child annihilating the Bali, just right. reducing them to nothing with no effort. I can't imagine power like that. Right. Just can't, right? right? And that's and that's interesting. However, when I think of the curse and what happened, you think of Corazon, where this went down, right? Corazon being this special stronghold where right. uh, the Bali were just yoking strength, where the Asimites just teamed up with the Salubri, don't forget, right, to wage war against these guys. And this is the Asimites' turn, though. Remember, both uh, Clan Salubri and Asimites have had like a long-standing war with this clan, and right. they. Each went at it at different times and then realized that combined strength is what it takes to get rid of these guys. And it wasn't even, that that didn't work. Right. Right? Truth of the matter is, is when they go to Corazon on their own, is where the Asimites learned their lesson. They needed the, the Salubri. Right. Because when they send their warriors in to Corazon to get them, they themselves get captured. And it's interesting how they get captured. It wasn't like they were staked and held to the side. Right. Think about their beliefs. Mm-hmm. They are walking the path of blood. They're believing in these these Persian deity ideals, right? right? What is Bali if or what is uh, Hakim if not a god of blood? Does he not send you out for retribution? Do you are you not to go and punish and and the wicked and see them how they are? But it doesn't tell you what you have to be. It doesn't acknowledge what your desires might be, right? Or anything right. else. And it doesn't say you can't have them. Just you've been so focused on duty. Did you ever stop to think of the rest of your culture? Right. And that it, might be there. It brings uh, a lot. Uh, it makes a lot of sense considering the the Asimites in like all the Transylvania uh, chronicles material we've just read. You know, like occasionally your Asimites do fall. I mean, right. if, if you're <laughs> if if your sole duty is like slaughter, right? Honestly, it's easy to draw the conclusion how you could fall off the path of virtue with those behaviors. I resubmit to the court of Nate and Bob, the good, the good Seraphazim or ball. Just saying. 
And uh, look at him and how he used to rule and liked it. And it sounds like a very washed up PR job of a living the life of a Bali god. I'm just saying. Right. Right. Uh, and that's and that's it. And he's a roving badass as well. That is the differences here. We're looking at at cores in a corruption that occurred almost instantly. And how do you do that to a group of fanatics that were raised to hunt down and kill them? That speaks of high corruption. So these guys get corrupted, right? Big war. Right. They're the survivors. They're not killed. And then suddenly they're under assault again. Right. Meaning that the Asimites, when they go to check on it, people are getting killed and these guys are coming with the whole army to, to deal with Hakim. You know, you, you attacked us, we attack you. Now, that's we're combining books of knowledge, but we're also, this book is not just a review of Clan Book Bali. This is the key that kind of gives you the idea where seeds and story elements are tied in. And a lot of the theories we've espoused on this podcast, uh, story opinions come from this as well. I, I've always had this opinion that uh, the it's the true deceiver that's going to give you all truth. Right? When yes. it's necessary, the true deceiver is the one that's going to make you question everything, but they're going to give you nothing but truth. Right? And yeah. and that so so I when I look at this book, I go, Oh, yeah, everything in here is probably true. Like <laughs> they're they're telling you it's lies, it's all bullshit. Don't believe it. None of it's true. Everything's false. No, no, it's it's all true. Uh and I, I feel like it's all true because uh it's got one of the most powerful levels of disciplines I've ever seen in my life ever in a book. And I remember getting this book and going, What the fuck is that? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about, Bob? Uh, <laughs> no, a, actually. Yeah, you do. It's open the way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, I, it's because my brain blocked it out. Right, right. <laughs> it literally did. I do it every time. I'll never use that. I, I don't know if it was the first time I ever saw a level 10, but I'm pretty sure it was the first time I ever saw a level 10. And I was like, okay, so basically you call um, a great beast okay so it's like it's the end of the world if this goes through and also coincidentally or not coincidentally at all really it appears to be the most challenging discipline ever to use like the only way it's going to get used is if you have like a fourth generation methuselah using it and um yeah so basically for those that don't know it's it's called open the way and it is a way to open a portal so that like the end of the world comes like a creature, an entity, some sort of otherworldly being comes from another dimension. And let me see if, uh, uh, from that point on the character is no longer playable as he has become an aspect of his foul master. On the other hand, the world is now greater concerns than the disposition of a single canine. I remember reading that and going, what the hell? When would I ever use that? (laughs) (laughs) What would, would, would you ever use to pray? How would that ever enter into my game? <laughs> Chant for 48 hours straight and don't get a single note of it wrong. Okay. That's going to take I'd a make lot them, of power. I'd make them live act it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You want a level 10? That's what you get. And for some reason, we have all these powers and everyone's this high level. Great. Oh, you want to play Shadowton? Sure. Here you go. You can do this. Now get to work. Let's do a thousand chops, shall we? Win them all. Or you start over. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> um, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, one culture of the Bali. The one thing in this book that doesn't really survive into V20 that they should have kept, in mm-hmm. my grandest of opinions. It's uh, Via Hyron, the Road of the Hive. I think you might be wrong on that one, Bob. Um, not in the way that they have it in this yeah, book. Yeah, well, it's definitely different than it is in this book, for sure. 
here's here's what I've noticed. V20 makes things digestible. It's very it, true. It definitely. 100% I agree with you on that. And I have no problem with V20, right? Because also V20 did something I very much enjoyed at the Bali. They made them horrible liars. Right. They made them abominable liars, right? And he updated sets. It's it's like re, it's a mini version of this book, not Black Dog. Right. Right? Is what I'm going to say. So that's that's what makes it good. Uh, right, right. This right here, though, when you look at Road of the Hive here, it's very, uh, uh, it's well, it's very dark. And you're going to say it's uh, no shit, right? It's a uh, black dog, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> but it's also hitching the nose is straightforward. Like this book, give it's, this whole book shows you pictures of, of a hive mother, of right. what, a, what someone on Road of the Hive would be like, what it is to be a broodmare and, and, and all this. And what are these terms? Um, I'm not going to tell you to read the book. This much I'll describe to you. Right, if you take someone, I can't. I just thought of it. <laughs> I can't. If we could have done that, we would have gone over the beginning story. Okay, so get this book and read the beginning story. I can't talk about, and you'll understand what a broodmare is. Right, and you'll understand what this uh, via hiring is in in practice. To me, it's the most disturbing part of this book, and like not disturbing, like oh god, I want to put this book down, but like horrifically disturbing. Like I don't like bugs. We'll just put it that way. I do not like bugs. Nobody mm. does, which is what makes this brilliant. <laughs> right. They took something everybody's like, ah, creep. They literally be like, wait a minute, Bob, you're an arachnophobe. Oh, yeah, spiders get me. Yeah, we'll put them in there. Okay, what else? Uh, people don't like millipedes. Put them in there. What about those creepy water bugs right in the book? What about flies? No one likes flies. Vermin. We're talking about the vermin, the, the right. creepy crawlies. Nobody, nobody likes them. You know, you may be a weird scientist who gets down on bugs and, you know, whatever. Right. You exist. It's cool. Thank you. Because that's how we understand you. And they fit in the ecosystem. I know they're needed for the ecosystem. I know they serve an important purpose. Do I want them to live in every orifice of my body? No. Not at yeah. all. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> that's why this this crosses into that line of horror right. in that regard. Sure. But here's the seduction of it, Right. They take their quote from an old Bedouin adage that describes the Via Hiron. My tribe and I against our enemies. My brother and I against all others. This actually infects the world of darkness more than you think. Because that same quote uh, was used to a different, different level. They manipulated a bit, talking about how vampires see each other. Right? right. In terms of clan. It's always you and your clan, right? Versus the world. However, when it comes down to just you and that clan mate, anything goes. Right. Right? And it's a variation of this. But this is the, the origin of it. It's like it's, uh, you can't escape it. Right. And, and that's, there's a lot of philosophies like that that are just embedded in this book that you see, like the seeds are here, and you see them bear fruit elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I, 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 will, I will tell you, um, the way that it's presented here, um, this book, I, here, here's the problem I have with this book. I have one problem with this book. Um, I, I never have a problem with shocking, gratuitous horror. I don't care. It's what I'm into. I listen to death metal. Like, so, sorry, not sorry. Um, my problem with this book is it's a Dark Ages book, and so it only goes to Dark Ages. <laughs> and honestly, reading through this book, I wanted to know more of this clan into the modern era. I always, that was the, always the problem I had, where I felt like the stories they were telling ended abruptly because they only go to dark ages. They do not go past, you know, at this point, I think it's 1197. Well, I think at a point we, we know what goes on, right? They almost hit extinction twice in this, in this, uh, clan. Right. Right. And because of that, they got better at hiding. Yeah. So course. it's almost fitting that there isn't a clan book for it. 
right. right? Going forward into the modern, no one's even attempted it, right? Number right. one, how do you beat the best? Well, and I think right. a, I think at some point, didn't they, I think like before Revise, like second ed, they basically were like, no, they've been hunted to extinction. And then I believe in Revised, they were like, no, there's a few of them. Because I, like, this, this, I'm just going off of memory, but I feel like at nah. some point they said like, there's no Bali. They've been, they've been wiped out almost completely. You're, what you're thinking of is the, the Salubri claim and the Asimite claim. They both had made a claim once upon a time they had killed them all. Okay. That they were that they were gone. They thought they did it when they attacked Corazon. All the clans thought they did it when they hit Carthage. Right. Right? There's been several times this they've made the boast the Bali are dead. Right. Right? They're the Doctor Doom of the World of Darkness. <laughs> so oh, are they? You killed yeah. that version. But in all times there must be doom. You know? That's <laughs> that's that's just how this rolls out. But what I what I'm trying to say is is uh you there's is an important element, I don't want to miss it because uh these guys are close to my heart. And that's the Angelus Ater. Mm-hmm. Right? You learn from the Sarmer clan book, and it's like, oh, these guys just run around, and, you know, in the Dark Ages, they, like, have black churches, and, yeah, they follow Satan, and that's great. Yeah, it's much worse than that. Um, this book not only tips on, they tell you about a guy, as a Neil, who works hand-in-hand with these Lasambra, and they teach them what the darkness is, and what it can mean, and why that power was gifted to them, and their souls are able to handle it. And it grants them a certain strength that they're able to do it. And it, and it makes them a sort of a, a hybrid, almost offshoot of the Bali because of it. Right. Got to remember, there's two ways into this clan. You can be embraced or you can be an apostate. Right? And that's an important culture piece. An apostate is someone who could have been born from another clan. Right. But who willingly accepts the rights and practices to become what a Bali is. Right. The convert. And that, right. And that's, that's deep. Right. Yeah. That, that's something you can't just... Uh, there's no one... You, you come into this clan with your eyes wide open. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. That, that was, uh, I remember one of my early days uh, playing LARP, um, you know, obviously back in the day, things were a little bit more dramatic and um, a little bit more, I don't know, I'll use the word wonky. Um, but I remember uh, being approached and going through the ritual of apostasy and the storyteller describing, because I was playing an evil character, right? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, is this real? Like, is this a thing that can actually happen? Because I had never read about it anywhere else. But I had to get the Bali clan book. And then I was like, oh, that is a thing that can happen. That's weird. And then you start to think about that in other contexts. Like, why would they be the only ones that could do it? You know, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of trickery and cool things you can do with that concept. So, yeah, it's good stuff. Why would you be uh, against Beacon of the Unholy, Bob? I'm glad I asked myself (laughs) that question. Um, What's that, Bob? Beacon of the Unholy is a bastard version of Unholy Aura. Yeah. In my opinion. Right? Beacon Beacon of the Unholy is the flaw version of Unholy Aura. Um, And Unholy Unholy Aura is a powerful merit. Right? It's like um, like anti-true faith. Right. Yeah. Right? Very very much so. It's a cool cool merit that you, uh, if you're a Bali anyway, but it's a good villain one as well. It's like they show you a priest who has his finger steepled and just swarms of flies and vermin swarming around him. Uh-huh. He has that aura. Yeah. He has it. You know he does. Now, why do I have an issue with such a strong issue of Beacon of the Unholy? I don't think people understand what that is. Beacon of the Holy means that the, the good, kindly people that you've run and encountered in your life that might be in the club with you or in the bar, go out with you, most of your friends are good people. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's everybody, every group is composed of these social tropes. 
Right. You have the, you have the leaders who always get stuff done and they're caring about everybody, making sure folks get to where they get to, and that's all cool. That's their worry, but that's also their pleasure. That's why they do it. You thank them for it, and they do it for the thanks. Thank you. Right? That's how that goes. Then you have those friends who are out to have fun and just let go. They're trying to get everybody cut loose to just have some fun for once. And, you know, you have them. Everyone's good-natured. Everybody means well. Right. Then you have that shithead friend. Right? Folks have him. Him or her. <laughs> They're the person that sits there that always tries to get away from the group to go get to the dangerous stuff. Right? <laughs> right. You know, like, I, I like to imagine it's the girlfriend that goes, yeah, we'll go out. That's cool. We're all about you. We're all came together. We'll stay together. It's girls' night out. And then she runs off with the five guys to go to a different party. Right. right? Like, like, where like, the what? hell did she go? And she's, I'm living my life. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just like, walks out. And you're like, what the? F-? Right? Also left you the tab. Bit weird. You know, <laughs> the there are guy f- friends like that, too. Where did wine tears go? Right. Exactly. You know, there's, <laughs> there's also that type. That uh, is going to, no matter what happens, be a stick in the mud. Right. Right? Who right. just walks around saying evil, disgusting, horrible, like just the worst person to have in the social setting. just want to leave setting. the house, right? Just like. Right, just it was you gotta, drug out. You got you to gotta crowbar them out of the chair. Right. Now, a guy with Beacon of Unholy comes in. Everyone's having a bad day. <laughs> right? Everyone's having a bad day. There's Suddenly. something about this guy. Suddenly, right. the clouds roll in. <laughs> right. He sits down, and your happiness is just, don't know why I'm so sad. He leans over. Is everything okay? You look troubled. It just, just feels so, it just, just scares the shit out of me. Well, perhaps it's not me who you're afraid of, but what I could represent. Do you have a troubling life? You know, is this guy getting me to open up and talk about my problems? Isn't he weird? Serial killer-esque? I don't want to... <laughs> Bucket of manipulation. You know, you never know. That's what that marriage used for. Yeah. To draw bad attention to you, to give you the opportunities to role-play out what you are. And that's what it's there. Not That's not in this book. Unholy Aura is. And Unholy Aura, ironically to me, reads pretty much the same way. You know, yeah. just to a more greater effect. So let, let me ask you this question, and uh, I, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you this question because I feel like this is a question we're going to get, and it's going to a question that a lot of people are going to have. Are Bali playable in a tabletop game with a group of like regular vampires? It is. It is. I'm in a. You may you may not have been thought. I was going to say that. Allow me to explain. If that's mm-hmm. what that pause is, I'm yeah, not certain. Yeah. You know, he, no, he didn't I, jump on me. I, no, no. I would. I actually. I want your expertise because I've got my own opinion, but I want your expertise here. Here's the deal: the imagination is what we're talking about for anybody. And if you have somebody that has read this book, that's the qualifier. They've read this book. They understand one thing. What are the big lessons of this book? That no matter how vile, no matter how vile and evil you are, everybody will want to kill you for it. Right. Meaning, you will never be so big and scary, they will never want to go after you. In fact, because you are big and scary, they will come to kill you. Right? This right. comes from mankind's innate fear. If one man cannot stop another man, more men band together to stop the one that can't be stopped. That's because we fear what we do not understand, and what we do not understand, we cannot control. That is a truth. Right. So, that's that. Uh, second thing. When somebody comes to you and approaches that, and they get that, your next step is to go, well, if you understand how you should be hidden, what type of person are you to get drawn into this? And that has to be, it's going to be a great story, right? I don't even say no to these stories. I just want to, you know, normally, and I don't know why people do this, I often get, well, I was a librarian, and I came across a book I shouldn't have read, and I read it, 
and then I and then I understood what it meant. Right. And because I knew a couple of the words, I searched those down, and then I couldn't get it out of my head, and I was just hearing it and whatnot. And I decided, I decided maybe some of these album covers were right, and went on that kick and realized that wasn't wrong until I found the right group that started helping me see. And then I looked at her, and I was like, "Wow, that that's pretty deep." By the way, this person doesn't exist. I, I, I seek I seek that type of person to come to this approach. I'm trying not to give them away on this podcast is why I'm being that way. Right. But uh, the point is, is if you approach correctly and they understand these dimensions, they understand the type of gentile, gentle background, right, that you have to come from to, in order to truly play this clan the way it should be played, um, then I give them their day in the sun. But I do it like this. I say, okay, great. Um, Amanda... You want to play a Bali, everyone? She's going to play a Bali. I do it just like that. Why? Because we're out of game. Because right. I'm an adult. Right. And I play this game with other adults. Right. She's looking for a wild ride. She's going to play a Bali. I'm going to give her a wild ride. That's what she wants. That's what she's here for. That's her entertainment. And whatever that means, who has a problem with it? And if someone goes, I don't want to hear about baby killing and other worse things. All right. <laughs> so you won't hear about it. Deal? Right. right. <laughs> um, well, then how is she going to get along in the group? Well, that's good. Everyone, let's talk about that. Amanda, wh- how do you see the group? Well, they're my friends. I need them to to survive. I also need them because who else do I have to relate to? Mm-hmm. I, this is my responsibility, not theirs. I don't know why. Is that even really necessary to go over? And then to have them go, well, we can never trust you. And then you, the storyteller, go, hmm, why couldn't you? Right. Well, do we know she's a Bali? You, as in the person I'm looking at eating Cheetos and drinking Mountain Dew. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Point is, out of game and in game. Yeah. That's how this works. If your troop has a problem with in game and out of game, don't. Yeah. Don't cross it. That's where I, drama will come from. I, I absolutely agree with you, and I believe in that 100%. I believe that uh, there should be a strong in game versus out of game mentality. That what happens in game is part of the game, and what happens out of the game, it, we're all friends. To me, the most important aspect of playing this game in any game is being friends and having a solid foundation in a relationship with the people that you're playing with. If you as a storyteller don't have that, maybe you, you know, put on kid gloves, you know, do the delicate dance, work with them. Find out where their their limits lie. Because not everybody has the same limits, but if these are your friends and you have a, a foundational relationship with them, you should be able to know or know to ask what's okay and what isn't. You know, like, for instance, when I play in a game that Bob is running or Bob plays in a game that I'm running, we know, like, you, you, you signed up. You know what you're in for. Like, bad shit's going to happen. Horrible things are going to get described. That's the games that we run. And I'm unapologetic about it. However, people that I haven't played with before... I will go out of my way to say, hey, these are some themes that you might encounter. Is this okay with you? If it's not, cool. All right. I can work around that, but I've had people who flat out were like, I don't, want, I don't even want that in the game. I would prefer it not be in the game. And as a storyteller, I can make two decisions. I can go, I don't give a shit what you think. It's my game. Or I can go, you know what? It's not a big deal. That's fine. I'll leave it out of the game. And if we warm up to that point, cool. If we don't, that's fine too. You know, th- those are my choices and my decisions. Um, can I tell you? Can I tell you my experience? We do an online game, especially. Uh huh. I've I've pitched this option every every interview. If there's is there anything you don't want in game, blah blah blah. You know, how do you feel about this, that, or the other? 
And and people have given me varying answers. Yep. The one most shocking thing, the most shocking, has been the most cross line that they do mm-hmm. that that I've ever seen. And it's just a not a bad thing, it's just profound, right? Because what does it say about me? Am I I really have a complex? I'm like, am I that corrupting of a storyteller <laughs> that I just made a taboo acceptable to them? I don't understand. I, I think what you encounter a lot, Bob, is very simple. I think that people have an accepted level of, of things that they're willing to encounter or things that like the certain lines that they verbally won't cross, right? Like there are things we tell ourselves that we don't want to do based on our upbringing, based on our accepted societal norms, our religion, etc. But then when we start to get in deep into a game, we start to go, Oh, those tab like, what I'm saying is that most people's taboos are are kind of nonsensical and they don't really have them, but they say them up front to engender a certain judgment or a certain, um, yeah. you know, they, like they, they want you to think a certain way about them. And, but, but I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think you as a storyteller have a responsibility to yourself to understand that like a lot of role playing is working out weird concepts that, are taboo or you know role playing is a it, it definitely can be a, a form of therapy uh, for a lot of people and as a storyteller unfortunately we're often lassoed with the job of kind of like therapist um, <laughs> so I don't think that's a bad thing I don't I don't think that we're qualified to do that but I mean it's what happens. And, you know, as a player, I, 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 th- I think maybe take therapy out of it and just mm-hmm. say experimentation is healthy. Yeah. Experimentation is healthy. Yeah. And I, in, I don't and in think game, we, we should, we shouldn't be therapists for sure as storytellers, but like, unfortunately a lot of times that's what happens. And, you know, you do have to learn very valuable skills oftentimes on how to properly deal with people's personalities when, um, you know, not even dealing with taboo subjects, but just like conflict interaction with people at a table or people online. Um, and it's, I mean, it helps you grow as a person. But braiding this back to not a, not the lecture on that <laughs> real quick. <laughs> yeah, right? sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> tying it back um, to, to about Bali in game, you, you, how do you not talk about how to handle a bad way? Yeah. Because that is the greater risk than it being okay. My rule of thumb is you handle it like any clan. Mm-hmm. Let as many people that want to do it. It's the only way to get everybody used to it. I uh, I typically use them as like a villain in my games. Um, I don't I don't generally let people play them because um, I it's very rare for me to find someone who has the level of maturity. Um, when I do, inevitably, I I usually will go to the person and be like, I want you to play this. Or can you do this? And see what they say. You know, like if I if I wanted someone to be a Bali, I'd I'd go to Bob. I'd be like, hey Bob, I can trust you to portray this in a way that I want to for the context of the game. So it's kind of like giving like an extra responsibility, like a narrator or like a player plus. But I'll usually go to them and be like, hey, do you want to play this? And if nobody's interested, I just play it myself. Um, but you know, every story needs a villain. Every uh, you know, everybody needs a big bad somewhere. You know, regardless of how your your troop encounters them or how your coterie encounters them. And now, and now, here's why I think that it's uh it's the best clan book. And I'm gonna go from two different attempts of the same thing. The Cappadocians are basically the Bali, but they use the reverse. <laughs> right. 
Right. What's their end goal? Take over the world by Cappadocia's becoming God. Right. Oh, they don't do atrocities by doing it? Uh, I think they do. They have to study the dead and commit many uh, violations and taboo issues right. that people don't want to go through to do what they got to do. Second one, Clan Giovanni. Do we have to really get into that they're ex- are they acceptable because they eat pasta and fit a Jersey stereotype of what a mobster is? No, they're acceptable. They're only acceptable because of their PR. That's it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, remember, these are the people who decided to diabolize this God-finding person. Right. Uh, because they want to bring about a different world. They want to end it with uh, them being the rulers using the realm of the dead to, to be the troops and the power that comes through it. This is no different to me than opening the way. Dude, if the Bali had just invested some time and energy in banking and like got like a decent uh, like checkbook, I mean, look look at the, the the Giovanni. The Giovanni have cannibals. Like, just as a whole, that whole family just cannibals, right? Like, atrocity is atrocity is atrocity. Like, they're just more active in pursuing, uh, you know, the demonic instead of the spiritual. It's just, it's the same side of two coins. Well, it's in the first bank of bail. the same coin. Right. Um, I'd, li- I'd like to point out that your loan has a pretty interesting writer clause. Right. If you default for longer than 90 days, a lot worse than uh, we take your home is going to happen. Right. Sure yeah. you need the loan? Right. <laughs> You're right. They could have been good. Could have right. been good. Bali right. Banker's now in the business for me. That's good. Yep. It's real Bali good. Banking. Or <laughs> your... For, for no tomorrow. <laughs> we go through hell for you. We'll save your money until the end of the world. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyways, um, that's, that's... We pay for your SIDS, literally. <laughs> With interest. <laughs> the only uh... bank giving interest on your SINs. <laughs> oh, well, you know, it's a, it's a thought. Any storytellers out there willing to go there with me? That's <laughs> like, so good. Bali, Bali banking. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the end of the podcast, everybody. Um, we, we will be back next week with a review of Labellus Sanguinis 2, Keepers of the Word. And then, because of Gen Con, we will be at Gen Con. We will not have a podcast August 2nd. I repeat, no podcast August 2nd, but... As soon as I can get what we record at Gen Con edited and up, I'll get it up. So at some point in that week, we're going to have a Nerd Words where we talk about our experience at Gen Con. And we're going to have a 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade where we review a book that we haven't even talked about. That's kind of in line with what we just reviewed in an abstract sort of way. So lots of cool stuff coming up. Um, We hope to see you there. And... uh, Thank you, Bob, for joining me as always. Bring me the love of your Bali. Of course, I, I do adore the Bali. Uh, the clan book. Yeah. Not my favorite yeah. clan. That's no, the no, Sombra, no, but yeah. the clan book. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for listening. I had a great time, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah. Thank you for listening to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. If you like our podcast and you'd like to help support our show, consider backing us at patreon.com forward slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. We offer reward tiers of additional Patreon-only podcasts, t-shirts, and personalized gaming experiences. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and go to our website, utilitymuffinlabs.com, for links to all of our social media, additional podcasts, and more. If you'd like to chat with us, submit a title for review, promote your gaming-related 
related stuff or anything else you can think of, email me at Nathan at UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Utility Muffin Labs, consistently rated adequate. Where were you on the night in question? I'll never forget where I was. I was covered in blood, fighting for my life while the Sabbat ran wild all around me. I was digging my way out of the mass grave with the other shovel heads. I was reborn to the Sword of Cain, experiencing the most outrageous and immersive LARP of my life. This year, the night in question will be even bigger, better, and bloodier. Join special guests from LA by Night, Jason Carl, Alexander Ward, and more, along with White Wolf alumni Justin Achille. Jackalope LARP presents November 16th, 2019, Austin, Texas, the night in question. For more information, go to jackalope-larp.com. That's jackalope-larp.com. Where will you be on the night in question? (laughs) 